Join author and former Vibe Editor-in-Chief Danielle Smith and Black Girl Songbook as she celebrates and uplifts the talent of Black women in the music industry. Tune in for in-depth discussions with your favorite songwriters, producers, and artists, as well as anecdotes from Danielle. Plus, you'll hear the songs of Black women who changed the landscape of American music forever. Check out Black Girl Songbook exclusively on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Priceline. When it comes to travel, we all have that happy place, whether it's the beach, ski slopes, couples getaway, or even a visit to that best friend you haven't seen in way too long. And Priceline wants to get you there for a happy price so you never have to miss a trip. For me, my happy place is in the Mediterranean. I think I've mentioned that. Maybe it's why I like Love Island so much because they're right by the Mediterranean. But I just love the feeling of being in the sea and it's just a great sea. And now, thanks to Priceline's VIP family feature, you can go to your happy place more often while earning deals up to five times faster with a group. When one person from the squad travels, everyone gets more deals. And you even get to choose your crew. It doesn't have to be your actual family. It could be your neighbor, your roommate, your mailman, anyone. The more you travel, the more you save. And for me, I'd love to go on a trip to the Mediterranean with friends. In fact, I might be doing that in the near future. I have done it before, and it was really some of the most fun I've ever had. I went to Sicily. We had some great swimming there, me and my friends. Anyway, if you want to have a similar experience, download the Priceline app today to save up to 60% off select hotels and go to your happy price with Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. All right, it's official. I think I've discovered the ultimate coupling of all time. Like any good relationship, they really balance each other out. One is super sweet and the other... Well, they can be a little nutty sometimes. It is, of course, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. So perfect, some would call it true love. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome to Bachelor Party. We are not talking about The Bachelor today. I'm sick of it. We are discussing the real world. I'm joined by Kyle Brandt. Hi, Kyle. Julia, I'm supposed to say right now, oh, thanks for having me, or this is going to be so fun, but I'm not, because I'm going to stop being polite and just start (laughs) being real right off the damn bat. So none of that stuff. Um, Kyle, this is such an honor. Thank you. So when you first came to the ringer, I think you met with Bill and Sean, and they didn't tell me that you were coming. And I was really angry because The Real World Chicago is my second favorite season of this television show I love dearly. I, I find it very important to be honest with my guests and like insult them in the first five minutes yeah. so that so that they just know where I stand. So I'm sorry it's not my favorite. Steven and Irene from Seattle, very hard to top. Um, we, we have something in common already, Juliet, because not only is Seattle my favorite season, I don't think this is a coincidence, it's my first season. You always oh, remember really? your first. And yes, people say, course. oh, were you, did you watch it from the beginning? No, I did not. But I was in college uh, and I watched, you know what's crazy? I actually think that the first episode of The Real World that I've ever seen was the Stephen and Irene moment there wow. with the whole like a relationship between us would never work out, Stephen, and aha, uh, and the teddy bear and all that. Like, And I said, what the hell is this show? Like, I'm never <laughs> going to change the channel. I'm watching MTV. And then it was like two years later that I was on that show. So I, I mean, I'm way on Seattle too. That's crazy. So the reason I also were doing this right now is because Paramount Plus launched and one of like their, probably like their flagship 
programming for their launch is the real world homecoming real world season one cast Mm -hmm. reunited in the original loft did you watch it i did not i have not seen it not necessary no like super weird i heard it was a little weird and here's the thing for me like it's very personal that whole concept of like you're back in the same house and it's Mm -hmm. the same six people looking at you I'm not using this as an expression. I have had dreams about that where I'm in the <laughs> middle of the night and I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, I'm in Chicago. And it's it's Anissa and Tanya and, and Carrie and Carrie and uh, the Theo and Chris. And like, it actually happened. And I, I and then I realized it didn't. And I calmed down. It takes me like an hour to go back to sleep. So the fact that those wow. people did that, that they really did that. And look, those we stand on the shoulders of those people. Those three season one people uh, ran so we could walk or whatever the expression is. I respect them, but I didn't watch them. And so I did not watch the reunion. Um, I believe it's they walk so that you could run. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> they stopped being polite so we could be real and we oh could be God. in the confessional in the co-ed shower. I have so many things to ask, but just you, the way that you said that. Yeah. It was it a traumatic experience. Are you having nightmares or daydreams about this? Um, This is what it was like. All right, so... Picture this. It's summer of 2001. Mm-hmm. I graduated from college and like two weeks later, I moved into the house, which just by pure coincidence was in my hometown of Chicago. I went right. to college in New Jersey, was cast there. And then they were just, we're casting Chicago season. My parents live close. So it's very personal for me. You're emotionally loaded. And here's how I would describe it to Juliet. It's totally... Um, it's totally binary, meaning there was a, a first half and a second half. The first half, you're like, oh my God, I'm on the fucking real world. This is crazy. <laughs> I'm going to the chocolate factory. I'm going to live in the house. Um, I'm on the same channel as Beavis and Butthead. And I watch TRL and they're counting down corn videos and O-Town. And I'm going to be on that channel living with six other strangers. Oh my God. And you walk in the house and it's just like, it's everything you dreamed of. It's colorful. And it's like, it's it's weird and there's cameras everywhere and you like you feel this wild injection of euphoria and wow. fame and there's booze there and you know the other girls are attractive there and um the guys seem think, cool it's fun you had a sh- you had a showmance oh was i a had ro- a big showmance was it yeah. a romance or a showmance showmance mm, yeah okay showmance. we'll come back to that carry yeah. on um so then it's just like you drink and you party and we worked at the beach and you know like this is the coolest thing i've ever done my mm-hmm. my colleagues are like getting just their asses kicked in like investment banking or they're finding themselves in Europe somewhere. And, and I'm doing this. And I was like, I hit it. I stuck it rich. It's the greatest thing of all time. And then as the saying goes, and I'm not even being cute this time, people do stop being polite after like a couple of months. <laughs> and when it starts getting real, it starts sucking and it's stressful. And I'm like enough with the cameras. And I, I don't like you anymore. And I thought you were cool back in July, but you suck now. You know what it is? It's like, it's like you can't leave Las Vegas. You're sure. there oh, interesting. for That's four a nightmare. months That's definitely and you're a nightmare. like, I'm hungover. I'm I'm sick. I'm broke. Like, can I get the hell out of here to McCarran and get home? No, you have to stay here. And for four months of so the second half, I lost weight. I uh, was anxiety ridden. I like kind of fell apart. And so it really fun. And then hell on earth. I do remember that. I do remember like you seeming stressed in the second half. I think when you broke up with Carrie, you just seemed like very yeah. Ha- yeah. unhappy after that. Um, yeah. I went to Northwestern for college and kind of ran. Like it's like kind of random. I don't even know why I decided to go there. Like if you had to ask me, it was like a lot of like random factors. It was mostly that I just like didn't want to go somewhere in the Northeast, having grown up in New York. Yeah. 
But I also do think I was influenced by the real world Chicago. <laughs> like, I'm not joking. Because also, I was really into road rules as well. I don't yeah. know if you watched the Northern Trail season, but mm. they go to Chicago and they go to the beach. And I was like, there's the beach in Chicago. And when you, so you mentioned that, I was like, well, yeah. this is awesome. And of course, Northwestern students, not only are we studying hard, but you're there mostly for horrible weather. So you don't go to the beach very frequently. But I was, I do think like real world introduced Chicago to me as like a place that I might want to live. And it definitely was part because of the season of real world. And I, and also I think you guys lived like kind of on like the West side, right? We lived in Wicker Park. Yeah. yeah Wicker Park was... was not cool yet. Wicker Park was just like, no, not even in a Josh Hartnett movie yet. It was just like, <laughs> not even they hadn't <laughs> yeah. done the, the John Cusack movie yet. It's like high yeah. fidelity, none of that. And like, believe me, those people hated us. They these were have. all these like really artsy, um, sort of bohemian type Chicagoans who had, had the great network neighborhood that had not been touched yet. And then here comes like Viacom in the corniest, cheesiest show of all time right in their neighborhood. And they were like protesting and yelling stuff at us. It sucked. My God. Yeah. So another part about the real world Chicago is that, first of all, I, I, we're going to talk about 9-11, but just not yet. I'm sure. going to work up to it. Yeah. But Two of the most legendary challenge competitors of all time okay. came out of the real world Chicago, Anissa and yeah. Tanya, both of whom I recall. I have, by the way, I've not seen the show since it was on. So this is all off the dome. I recall them both having like legendary phone calls. Like they use the phone booth to <laughs> like contribute plot in like a, just an unheard of way. I yeah. will say Tanya, her story was pretty tragic. She was, had a lot of medical debt, which is a big problem here in America. And Anissa, I remember her fighting with her mother quite mm -hmm. a bit. Yeah. Didn't she get like locked out of a car and there's yep. something about car keys? Like, yeah, two what legends. Was it like, what was it like living with Anissa and Tanya? What a great question. All right. Thank so, you. It's not actually, but I appreciate you saying no, it. No, but it's just perfect. It's just wide open. And it's, it, listen, <laughs> if, if you're going to talk about the NBA greats, you say, hey, what was it like playing with LeBron and Jordan? What was it like living with Tanya Nisa? So the backstory on Tanya was, um, I remember it's this long, long casting process, like so laborious. And you have to, they came and did an on-campus call and I went to it and waited in line. And then you send a video and then I got flown to L.A., twice from New Jersey for like callbacks and callbacks. And they just kept not telling you. And your senior year in college, you're trying to figure out what you're going to do for a living. Like, do yeah. I have to get a job? I'm moving home. Guys, let me know if I'm going into the house. And I remember I got to talk this one like PA to a PA to a PA at Buna Murray, their production company that was making it. And I go, dude, have you heard anything? Like, am I getting cast in the show? And he goes, the only one they know is the one they refer to around the office as their first round draft pick. And I go, oh who's God. their first round draft pick? He's like, Man, it's this, it's this blonde girl. She's from Walla Walla, and she's kind of all over the place. She's a little bit of a mess psychologically, but we think she's going to be a superstar. Sure enough, they were talking about Tanya, and the scouting report, from what I remember, it was dead accurate. Ta Tanya was, if you're into that as a species, like Tanya is a star. It's what you show up for. Sure, yeah. I mean, you know, Tanya, she was treated pretty poorly on the challenge subsequently. I heard um, about that. Yes, very poorly. And I hope she's doing well. I don't, I don't, she's no longer on television. I, I wish her the best. But like, just even before that, her and Anissa were like explosive chemicals in this house. Like, it was, it was really gripping. I, I do think that your collection of seven people in some ways was the most varied group of seven. Mm. I mean, it hit so many different like tropes. I mean, as a Jewish girl from New York, 
Kara really spoke to me. I was, yeah. and she went to wash you. Like, yeah. it was just like, you know, she, she had the one night stand. Who could ever forget it? Like, just like so, She's so amazing. much, so much. But what about Anissa? I mean, okay. from the moment Anissa hit the screen, I mean, I just, uh, I've never forgotten her. And P.S., I'm not sure if you're aware, Anissa is currently still on the challenge, still competing. This is, she's still, she's never won. She uh-huh. seems like she could come closer, but at she the time should. of recording. She's, I, I, I have such huge love for Anissa. You, you mentioned the moment with all our cast members when it, it you, I think you used the phrase hit the screen. I remember when it, when Anissa figuratively hit my screen, we move in on the first night we get there. The hi, I'm Kyle's. I'm so-and-so nice to meet you. We, we all get drunk and it's this big party and like, oh my God, the euphoria I was talking about. I pass out. The next morning I wake up and I walk into the bathroom, like peel myself off my mattress. I walk in there and as I look up, I see Anissa standing there just in her underwear, like full breasts, full nothing, just standing there like brushing her teeth or flossing. So I just met this person last night and it's just like a mostly naked woman. And so my immediate reaction was just, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. You can have as much time as well. And she goes, no, what do you mean? What do you mean? Like, come on in. I go. No, Anissa, I, just take as much time as you want. I don't even need it. She come on, and I'll never forget this. And it's so crass, but it's Anissa. She's like, I don't know what you're worried about. It's just titties. And I was like, <laughs> well, it is to you. Is that how this next four months is going to be? Because it was. Because if you remember, Juliet, she had this like nudist thing going. Where oh, she would walk around the living room fully naked. And honestly, like a week after that incident, after I'd had it, like I wouldn't even look up from my book. It was just what Anissa did. She didn't think her personality and her amazing background and diversity was enough. She was also nude, like for the whole show. And that was just who she was. I wonder if she did that because like Richard Hatch did that. Like that was like a thing back in the day. Like Richard Hatch on Survivor in the first season. I think he's now in jail, or he was. He did a stint in jail. Financial crimes, I think, yeah, right? Well, that's fraud. funny you say that, because Richard Hatch was Survivor Season 1, and Survivor Season 1 was summer 2000. So yes, that would have been exactly. a year earlier. Yes. Um, it's interesting. I never thought about it as Richard Hatch. I She would do it, though. Like, the 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 cameramen would come out to, like, put on your mic pack or whatever, mm. and they used to have to use a piece of duct tape and just tuck duct tape into her skin because there was no clothes. And she would, oh, like, God. shake her butt and their faces and stuff, and they were all laughing. Like, it was all good with her. I never thought if she was inspired by, like, the great Richard Hatch as a reality <laughs> contestant, but it's true. It's like, it's like you know, Kobe taking thing. his jump shot from Michael or something. Like, the greats learn from each other. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. I think there's a lot of, like, re-examination of reality TV going on right now for so many reasons, you know? And I, I mean, also, I just may perhaps ascribe more meaning than I should. But I was like, I wonder if she saw that on TV because when you went into it, like, what did you expect? Like, what was, like, your like your frame of reference for how to interpret this experience? And, like, did you have a game plan of, like, who you wanted to project out to the world as Kyle Brandt? I had too much of a game plan and it was too much projecting. If I've always said, like, I... I I'll be honest, Julia, and like, I frankly, I think you're being nice. I, I think I came off terribly on the show, very contrived and forced. And if it is because I was like, if I look back on it and I had just showed up and been myself and just been easygoing and roll with the punches, it would have been fine. But like, I think I went in there trying to be like, I'm going to be this guy and I'm going to be the leader and I'm going to be, uh, you know, um, really diverse and everything. And I'm going to have I don't know. It was too much planning. I was just so nervous. You walk in there. It's very hard to walk in and just be yourself. And oh, yeah, I can't. I mean, I I don't think I did a good job at all. Interesting. And like who by being a leader, did you like had you like watched 
another season that you're like, this guy did it right. Because like, I'm just thinking season 10 was back to New York. I don't think there was like a leader there. And season nine was New Orleans. That was kind of crazy. Eight was Hawaii, which is the biggest insanity fest. Yeah. Loved Colin, but he wasn't really a leader. He no, you also, know who was? I know he had was. a romance gone wrong. Colin and Amaya, just like a yeah. complete disaster. Yeah. So <laughs> this is a sidebar, but you know what's fascinating that you would just love? And I, I wish that I could transport you and bring you there. In the early 2000s, like there were like 40 real worlders who all just lived in LA. And I was one of them. And there would be parties when it's like Saddle Ranch. Yes. Yeah, oh, totally. Saddle heard, Ranch I've, or I've heard about Dublin's this. or Miyagi's <laughs> or house parties. And you'd go and it would just be all of these people. And it would be Colin and Amaya. And then at one party, I got to meet Puck. And like, even though I didn't watch this season, I knew I was meeting like the great. And, um, it was such a strange time that everybody was living there. And then like down the block, there was a party of all the like, you know, Joe Millionaire people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. all converging in, in LA. And it was it was actually really fun. I'm sure. I mean, it sounds really fun. Because also this is one of my one of my opinions about reality television. It takes a certain kind of personality. Because even if you weren't showing yourself when you're in the house, like you were kind of like, I'm going to be a character of yeah. some kind, like rooted in myself. And not everyone's like that. Not everyone can be like, I'm going to play a part every day or even feel like they have something that they want to share. Like so a lot of people just aren't that extroverted. And it's like a very specific kind of extrovert who goes on this show. So when you find each other, it must be lovely. It is. And that's like, I met Kara at uh, the train station on day one. We were set up to arrive oh, there yeah. together. I forgot about those arrivals. I yeah. About and we that. like immediately clicked. I just, you know, what's different though now is that when we did that, the term reality show was not a term. That mm-hmm. no one that had not even been used yet. It was just there was no industry of reality show people. Survivor was a year earlier, but it hadn't gotten to the massive heights it did, like with Survivor Outback in season two. So I think that the idea, like there was no Instagram factor. I wasn't gonna right. get endorsed, you know, for drinking a coconut water when I was walking <laughs> down the beach. It was just really young, 22, wanted to have fun. And like, you know what I wanted to be of anything? I think if I'm being honest. The coolest thing back then when I was in college, it wasn't, I just said, I figured out the answer to your question. It wasn't one of these other people in the real world. The coolest thing back then was Carson Daly on TRL. And he ran the show. And he stood in front of the giant glass and, you know, he played Puddle of Mud or whatever it is. And I was like, it was like he ran New York City for a college Mm -hmm. kid. So I think I kind of wanted to be him. That's really um, interesting. That was, that was my guy. I love Carson. I I had a, I always loved TRL, and then I had a, I loved the voice when it first started, and mm-hmm. I was like Carson Daly. I've missed you. Where have you been? And it was a real Carson revival. He's I, I've heard he's a really nice guy. Have you met him? I don't. Yeah, I think I met him like on the set of TRL. I wasn't appearing on it, and he didn't host our reunion <laughs> special. That was uh, Brian McFadden a oh year later. Sure, but I yeah. met him, and he was cool. He was in his element. He had his cards and his black fingernails, you know, and he was uh, introducing uh, Lou Bega or whoever it was at the time. <laughs> I thought he was really cool. Um, he did that Incredible. last call with Carson Daly. It felt like yeah, 10 years. For a long time. And, and yeah. I couldn't stay up till like three in the morning whenever it came on, but I like seeing him on the mainstream stuff too. When I moved to LA, I was like thrilled to listen to him on the radio when he did his morning show. Totally. And then he, then he moved to the Today Show, so I, I couldn't listen to him anymore. But yeah, he's just a old school host VJ kind of guy. He was for a hot minute. He was like, you know, he was like our Dick Clark because it was like this pre-Seacrest time. And, you know, he wasn't like as cheeky as Seacrest. He was a little (laughs) drier, you know, so I just responded to that more. And, you know, when he does the Bum Bum song from Tom Green, like he, he sells it and I was into it. He's such an icon. Um, Okay. So when you're in the house, like after, after how many 
days, weeks, do you get a feeling of like what the storylines are going to be? Like, how did, like, did you have a sense of like what was going to make it and like what was big? Yeah. And here's how, because, um, throughout the week in the production week and the production is about four months. I think we went, if I remember right, July 11th to November 11th, you have appointments with the staff. And Mm -hmm. when you see those sit downs where they talk straight to camera, that's a once a week interview. So you would get this little note. Um, and if you really want some inside stuff, like anytime you have to talk to the staff who's like behind the walls and in the basement, you pick up a phone that they actually call right. the bat phone. And you pick up the bat phone and they say, hey, Kyle, what's the matter? And you're saying, oh, well, I need to go here. Can you cameras follow me? Whatever. And then so sometimes they would give you a note. They would leave you a note with your production sketch over the week and it had a bat <laughs> logo on the top. Like they, they went all full nine yards and it would say, Kyle, your appointment is Thursday at three o'clock. Uh, the car will take you there. Thursday at three o'clock, you go and they have this cool background and maybe it's like- Oh, it's not in the house? No, it's not in the house. It's offsite. Oh, interesting. Expensive, like nice big cameras and lights, like a professional backdrop. And then to answer your question, there is a woman who was a producer for the show who was a professional psychiatrist. Mm. And she would start asking you questions about, you know, how are you feeling about this and how are you feeling about that? So that's how you would gauge. And for me, it was just, you know- carry, 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 carry. And it was mm. all that. I'm like, I guess that's where they're going with this story. So it's an unbelievable mind bender to you live in your life for a week and then you show up for an hour and they ask you a million questions about all the life choices that you made that week. And then you have to <laughs> go back and resume and it kind of alters what you do. You're like, well, they're, they're obsessed with this. So maybe I shouldn't talk to Carrie anymore. And they asked, you know, how am I feeling? Is there tension with me and Theo? Maybe I should go be really nice to Theo. And then four months of that, you lose your mind. At least I did. That's honestly insane. Also, how even if you, did, I mean, I assume you actually liked Carrie at the beginning. I mean, she oh, seems yeah. good. And then, but like, do you think that if that had not been on the show, like, I mean, obviously you have a million relationships when you're a young person. So it's not like they're all going to work out. But like, did did having to like second guess everything just like accelerate the dissolution Absolutely. or whatever? And And let's not forget, like, Juliet, I, I came in as one of the most pathetic archetypes in real world show, which is, you know, guy with the at home girlfriend. You we know, call that like, a GBH, girl back home. Oh, okay. So I was I was like the Prince GBH. Like that was my whole deal. And, you know, college girlfriend. And then you wouldn't believe this, but in the middle of the production, we broke up. And Oh my uh, God. What? Yeah, um, and I remember it because we were on the phone and she just like, this is this amazing person who was my college girlfriend. And she's a great person. Wanted nothing to do with this. God bless her. And finally she called and they're recording it. You know, it's got the little... Kyle's girlfriend with the arrow pointing towards the phone. And she just basically just broke up. And she's like, I can't do this anymore. It's over. And I hang up the phone and I mentioned Puddle of Mud. And I remember it was the song Blurry, which you remember is like, can you take it all away? (laughs) Can you take it all? And I hung up and and then it goes, the real world. And then it just goes to commercial. So like that was a disaster. And um, GBH, that was me. And to say, uh, would the relationship have worked, you know, with Carrie? It's such a dumb question. Don't no, even answer because, it. It doesn't even matter. No, listen, here's why. Like, it's so much stress all the time. And like, yeah. you can't go on a first date where they're like, right in your face and like everything you order, everything you say. And then like you live in the same house. Like, it was so unnatural. It's just, it's so, and, and that's what they want. They want a, a dirty bomb to go off. And, and, and it did. My God. My God. What was your tension with Theo? I don't really remember it that much. I'm, I do think Theo got a pretty unfair edit, if I recall correctly, as sort of like angry black man. Oh yeah, there was there were, the unfair edits they happen, but that's what you sign up for. I, I remember um, 
you know, Theo's deal on it was really heavy, which was like he was he's he is like a preacher's son. And Mm -hmm. he was he was very religious. So he had storylines with Chris, who was out at the time and Anissa, who was out. And he just had never seen that before. And, you know, he had some issues with and the show, how like how he spoke to women and stuff. And so I once I had to like I confronted him once about how he like intimidated Tanya and it just got really heavy. And like, I don't think he appreciated it. And it's just. Again, he was I think he was 20 at the time and I was 22. And so Crazy. it goes fast and they eat that stuff up. That's what they want the show to be about. And I get it. So what you do all day? You guys had your job, but when you mm-hmm. weren't doing your job, which was working for the parks department, by the way. Yeah. I loved when they introduced the job, but does not. it started out as people just like trying to make it in New York, which was fine. And then L.A. and then San Francisco yeah. or whatever. And then I think. I think it was a season six, Boston. It might have been sooner. Uh, I think it was season five, Miami. They introduced having a job like mm-hmm. for the house, um, which I think gave birth to the Shore store job on Jersey Shore. So I'm forever thankful oh, for yeah. it. But um, your guys's job was working with the parks department with kids in the summer, doing like programming for them. Mm. Seem seemed nice. What else did you do all day? I've never really understood this. On The Bachelor, it's clearer. But like you've got a lot of what I call unincorporated time on the on the real world. Like, what yeah. did you do with it? Well, there's no TV. That's not allowed. There's no um, there's no phones. And even the phones back then were so rudimentary. It wouldn't have mattered. You yeah, just one... like call my mom, call my yeah, friends. I can like I can call friends on this landline telephone and like ask them what they're <laughs> doing. Uh, I remember I remember just shooting a lot of pool because they have that there. And then look, it's what you're talking about. It's like we're we're in the house. It's very difficult to leave because to go anywhere, you have to get approved by the staff because like you can't, can't just be like, everywhere. we're going to go to the sandwich shop. And they're like, oh, we need permission to bring the cameras there. And since all the places in our neighborhood hated us, no one gave us permission. Mm. So seven people like um, irritated, can't leave the house, bored. And so you either like are attracted to each other or you fight with each other. So I don't remember what we did. I mean, they had like bookshelves and stuff. They were supposed to be books, but like it was just, it's a lot of drinking. And then it's just a lot of talking that just leads to just uh, a a hellscape in the house because there's nothing else to do. (laughs) (laughs) It's fun. Oh man. Oh my God. Good choice by me. In the future, in future seasons, just to help, Pre- tell past Kyle in the future they go to Subway constantly because I guess they got clearance to, to oh really at Subway so yeah I think it was Real World Denver where they were like constantly going to Subway we couldn't even go on the Subway like we, we had none <laughs> of that stuff that was that was bullshit <laughs> did you get to go out were there certain bars you could go to yeah it's just it was so bad <laughs> it was oh just my like, god I remember early on there was this club not even a bar like a full on early 2000s nightclub in Chicago and people who are listening in Chicago who know about this time will remember this place the club was called White Star oh and god they were into the real world they like having us there so like we would just go like five times a week and like they would let us right in into VIP and um god I remember it was really cool though we would go to the same VIP room every night and um one night, like they sometimes would like show us around like show ponies. And I remember one night they're like, well, um, one of the guys from NSYNC is here and he wants to meet you. And I was like, <laughs> oh, shit. OK, let's do it. Like, let's, I, I, I love the boy band stuff. It was really big when I was in college. And so, Juliet, I'll just ask you right now. I'll put you on the spot. Which member of NSYNC was at the White Star nightclub in 2001 and wanted to meet the real world cast? Chris Kirkpatrick. God, I wish. It was it was Lance Bass. Joey? It was Lance oh my Bass. God, Lance. Lance was there and he was wow. in and we were wow. nervous to meet cool. him. And he was like, 
So you guys, the real world cast, like I love the real world. You know, the guys and I watch it and everything. And we were like, NSYNC, I think at the time was like, like the biggest band in the world. I'm gonna say Kyle, was, it, Lance was like one of like the 10 most famous people at the time. So yeah. the fact that you're disappointed at all is shocking. Oh, no, no. I just, I was, I was stunned <laughs> silence because like, you know, it's the, the irony is that on my video to apply to the show that I made like around campus, I'm doing the um, the bye 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 dance, you know. With oh the, my that god, thing. that's so funny! So yeah. I did, and then I'm meeting Lance Bass, and then just people would show up, like he just random, you know. Jose Canseco would be there one night, and it just got really like every night we would there just vodka Red Bulls and listening to Flo Rida, and like it was just the party. This is the first two months I was telling you about, and then afterwards when you start fighting and get tired, it's just you don't go to White Star anymore. Oh my god, that's hilarious. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. All right, it's official. I think I've discovered the ultimate coupling of all time. Like any good relationship, they really balance each other out. One is super sweet, and the other, well, they can be a little nutty sometimes. It is, of course, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. So perfect, some would call it true love. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. eBay knows that when it comes to jewelry, authenticity is the real gem. When you see the blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, it means your next piece will be carefully inspired by jewelry experts and will always be worth its weight in gold. Whether you're looking to make a statement or build the perfect everyday look, eBay is making sure you get the real deal. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that jaw-dropping piece will always arrive jaw-droppingly real. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership, visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Wow, so you got really burned out. And then I will say, so two months in, you said it was from November, you said it was from July 11th to November 11th, and you also said they never had TV. Mm -hmm. On September 11th, two months in, you guys were in the house. And for the first time ever, they brought television in to the real world so you guys could watch the news um, to see what was happening with the terrorist attack on the World Trade Center. And I um, like casually mentioned 9-11 on this podcast all the time. But yeah. having grown up in New York City, I like think about it frequently and I'm very like academically interested in it. And I'm curious, like what what was that experience like? I mean, you are in the middle of a madness episode and you've been in isolation, can't talk to family or friends like who tells you? And then what are the next few days like? It's not at all how it appeared. And it's it's a really strange set of circumstances that led to what it was like. You know, that day was so bizarre for everybody. It was just oddly in a separate way surreal for me. Um, and when they mapped out their production calendar for four months, they blocked off two days right in the middle of the four months where production was going to shut down take a break, no cameras, no nothing. And we're going to do promo shoots. And we're going to take you into the Lake Michigan and do a photo shoot. And then we'll take you to Wrigley and do a photo shoot. The two days that they blocked off were September 10th and September 11th. So September 10th, we shoot photo shoot all day. It's me, it's the girls. We're in the Chicago theater and State Street. And and then wake up the next morning. And I remember Theo and Chris and I had a, like a really, like a 6 a.m. call at Wrigley Field. 
and we are going to shoot inside Wrigley Field. They got access to it. Obviously, there's nobody there. It's early in the morning. And we get there and we're just posing. And, you know, I grew up in Chicago. Like, this is this is my cathedral. This is Notre Dame to me. Like, I'm inside yeah. Wrigley. It's I'm having this unbelievable pinch me moment. And then I just remember um, cell phones started ringing and the whole cast, the whole crew, rather, the sound guys and the the the, the women and women clearing people and cameras, they're all New York based. They're all from oh, New wow. York. So they started getting calls, started getting calls. And our exec producer, this guy, Anthony Dominici, came over and he said, so we're going to shut down for a while. And I'm like, OK. And he's like, something's going on in New York. And I were like, well, what do you mean? He said, a plane hit a building. And they're not sure what it is. And they're not sure if it was an accident or if it was something sinister. But the crew's a little freaked out because we have people of friends and family who work in the Trade Center. So let's just chill for a while. Um, let's go get something to eat. We walk across the street to the, the legendary Wrigley Field McDonald's, which is no longer there. But Chicagoans worship the spot. You, I mean, you know, mm -hmm. having lived in Evanston. And we're sitting down and eating egg McMuffins. And he comes over and he says, uh, a second plane hit the bill hit a building oh my and God. now they're the you know america's under attack so now we started freaking out because personally um my older sister who's two years older than me was living in tribeca at the time oh um, wow yeah so she was right there and uh so then of all places we needed someplace to go because then we were in the phase that everyone else was doing of just watching the tvs and everything and we went into the cubby bear which is right there oh, again legendary. it's eight in the morning it's the place you do like you know, plastic shot glass shots and throw up in the bathroom. It's a you know a disgusting bar for young I've people. Had some, I've had some great times at the. Have you? There. Okay. Yeah. Well, were any of them as good as this? That's where we were. Where like like the towers fell and everyone freaked out and cried and screamed. Like that's we were at the Cubby Bear in the in the morning on September 11th. Not in the house. Not on camera. None of that stuff is captured. And I am so so thankful that it wasn't because wow. I don't want that out there. Like I, yeah. I, you know, I, I was very, very upset and I was very worried about my sister and I had no idea what she's up to. And, um, you know, she was one of those people who was like running from the dust clouds in the streets yeah, and she, all that. She must so have been. I was, it was ask, terrible. You, were, you, were you even able to contact her? It was very hard because all the, I, I, you remember that day and I'm kind of like you, I, I'm an, I'm fascinated by 9-11 and I'll Google it all the time. And there was just hours, as I remember, where you'd pick up, you know, your Nokia flip and you're calling whoever and it was just a busy circuit. You couldn't make calls and we weren't allowed cell phones anyway. So I kept trying to right. borrow a phone from somebody. So I went through the same hell that everybody did, albeit at the Cubby Bear. And then we just go home and everyone's shell shock and everyone's freaking out and the producers come out and like they make their pitch and they say, you know, we feel this is important and we should capture this and we want to start the cameras on again. This is probably the afternoon of the 11th. And they bring out this little TV that they had in the production booth. It was like this, you know, 12 inch TV and they set it on this coffee table. And then we just sat there for, like everybody else did for hours and hours and hours. But I remember there was a conscious moment where I don't remember them asking us if we were okay with it, but just telling us like, we got to roll because this is, honestly, there's probably part of them that's thinking, holy shit, this is going to be the greatest, most compelling television of all time. And yeah. they did it and they filmed it. And people remember us as the 9-11 season. Yeah. I mean, I will say I... I don't think of you guys as the 9-11 season. I think of it as the Chicago season because I just, like I said, it kind of like opened my eyes to Chicago and like pretty yeah. that's just pretty pathetic to say, but true. Um, well, I guess a lot of people learn about places 
from seeing it on television. But anyway, I I don't think of you guys as, the, as that season. Also, because I, I think if you watch the challenge, Anissa and Tanya yeah. lo- loom so <laughs> large. But I do think it it's like it's one of the, you know, the most seminal moments in American life, especially for Americans currently alive. And so the fact that it was captured on like the kind of first reality show is, pre- is pretty meaningful and like a pretty big deal. I mean, if you just also think about the other ways in which 9-11 has been captured in the cultural imagination and, and in pop culture, there's not really an analog to how the, re- the real world was present for that, which I think kind of speaks to why the show has had such long legs and and whatnot. But I, I also do think that there was, um, at the time, the sh- probably in 2001, the show was like, at its peak of like everyone knowing about it, even mm-hmm. if not everyone was watching it. I feel like at that point, cause you guys were season 11, it's just been like around. It's established. Like there's a few, and then like kit, I think was doing it from road rules was like yeah. on TV and like a bunch, there's like a bunch of like alums who had like made a name for themselves. Um, and so I think the fact that like the show also was like present for such a, um, traumatic and important day in like American history is, is pretty, it's pretty meaningful. Even if like the rest of the season, you know, there was like a lot of other stuff going on. I do think that's like a moment people focus on, but it's also, it was so weird seeing them bring a TV out. Cause you're like, I'm watching TV, but like TV is not a, like the, the physical TV is not a part of this. No, never. It's, I think it's, I'm sure it's the only time they've ever done it. And I, I remember, um, when the episode aired, you know, whenever it was, it was months later and they air, they show it and it's, we're all freaking out and everything. And then there's this clip that they used where Theo had gone into the confessional booth to record some commentary. And right as they went into the commercial, the classic real world commercial shot with the, with the logo, Theo just goes, damn, terrorism. That's the real world. And it was like the real world, like into commercial. And I, like, it, I remember it gave me chills when I saw it. And it's just like, it was wild that we were there at the time. And it, listen, there was an, a, a tiny minuscule percent chance that that event would happen in this little little window in four months that we weren't shooting any other time we would have been sitting around shooting pool drinking or whatever and the the 9-11 would have happened and they would have captured the whole thing it's just this weird miracle that it wasn't that is it is a miracle i can't imagine getting that kind of like terrible news on camera like that i I mean it would just be absolutely insane god it really was and then you know there was an aftermath where um i finally talked to my sister and i think it was on the air you know i think she had left me a voicemail and like she was you know really 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 upset and then like it then they play that and i don't know it was just god it was so much that experience yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was even without like imagine. the worst terrorist attack in u.s history it, it was so much already and then to hit you with with 9-11 in the middle of it um, and your family, like, this is what I'm saying. You know, I don't think it's a coincidence that was right at the 50% mark where yeah, the second seriously. half of it sucked. I think maybe that's something to do with it. <laughs> yeah, because you're just like, there is a real world and I'm not living it, but everyone's saying this is real. It yes. must have been a mind fuck. Yeah. Do, you, do you enjoy watching reality television now? Can you enjoy that? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, I, I like it as much as the next person. I, I have, What do you watch? Well... I got years of experience on The Bachelor, like years. Yeah. My my wife and I have, I feel like we're really classically trained, but um, <laughs> we, we've we kind of jumped ship and I sense, and there's a theme here. Um, I just feel like a couple of years ago, uh, it just, it seemed to me that the, all the women vying for The Bachelor's attention seemed to be just getting younger and younger. And I, I feel like The Bachelors were just getting a little more insufferable and not in a good way. 
And my wife started just being like, I'm just not into this show anymore. And I'm like, oh, I love it. Come on. I love it. I love it. We, I, we can't, I can't get enough. And she started tuning out and she was kind of right. So we probably watched, I mean, Julia, we probably watched like 12 seasons, but I think we're what kind was your, of out now. What was your final season? Oh, okay. So she, <laughs> my wife is not a fan of Nick. Nick so by all. Yeah. we tried the Nick season and she's like, I can't. He talks like this the whole time and I just can't stand him. <laughs> but we had some high highs. And let me pose a question to you as a consumer, as a, a sommelier of The Bachelor. Mm-hmm. Um, who's I, hope the goat? I, pr- I hope I've proven to you it goes beyond The Bachelor. Oh, of course. Well, but this well is like beyond. one of your specialties. Who's sure, the goat? Yeah. Who, who's the number one Bachelor? The number one Bachelor. Well, you know, last year before Peter's season, we did a countdown of the most dramatic seasons ever. So I did go back and watch a lot. I think, are you asking like, who do I most want to go on a date with because he's The Bachelor or which season would I most want to rewatch? Which individual person as The Bachelor is just like, that guy uh, nailed it. That's my favorite. Who's your favorite Bachelor? That's the question. I think it's Jason Mesnick. I think okay. Mesnick absolutely crushed it. And here's why. Did you watch that season? Yeah, I know that season. <laughs> Mesnick is the one he he ended up, he chose Melissa Rycroft. And then, do you know Melissa Rycroft? She's like NFL adjacent. I think she married. I, I, I think we've met. A football guy. Okay. P.S. Catch Kyle on Good Morning Football hey, on the yeah, NFL right. Network and uh, 10 Questions with Kyle Brandt. Gotta do it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Back to the more important question. Best Favorite Bachelor, Rycroft. Jason Mesnick, um, did, he did a lot of things well. First of all, he was a single father and there wasn't really this feeling of like, why have you abandoned your child to be on the show? It was more like, yeah, his son needs to find a mother. Good idea, Jason, coming on the show after you've been rejected on The Bachelorette. So there's that. <laughs> Number two, he prioritized his son over the show. And so there was a few dates in his hometown of Seattle where there was one in particular with Melissa Rycroft where he was like, I don't know if I can do the date. Like Ty needs me at home tonight. Do you mm-hmm. want to come over here? Mm-hmm. So perhaps that was all production. Who knows? But it did put him in the zone of like, he's such a good dad. He's making Melissa come over to his house and she doesn't even get to meet Ty. She like looks into the room when he's sleeping, but she doesn't even meet him. And you're like, okay, this guy's serious about fatherhood. It's mm-hmm. great. And then um, the women were just incredible. Like there was like, like the top six were just like all interesting women. I will say, I think that was a purely white cast, which mm-hmm. is terrible. Um, the characters themselves, though, like many were enjoyable, like Jillian Harris. Jillian Harris is now sure. like a host in the, yeah. in Vancouver. And we had Mo- Molly seems lovely. I've met her. Um, I don't know. It's just great. Also, like I, I just feel like the Pacific Northwest lends itself to good television. I think it's the clouds. It's the lighting. You it's know? beautiful. It's like it's also well, real it's world like how, Seattle here. It's all yeah. coming up. It's a Northwest. Exactly. And like it's, the clouds like good for filming, right? So there's that. So yeah, I would I would say Mesnick. I also like I personally hate Brad Womack, who was the bouncer two times. But oh, I please, he, please, please. Yeah, you must, have, please. you must have fucked with Brad. <laughs> I think he was a good I think he was good TV though. Cause he especially the second time when he came with his therapist. I loved that. I was like, oh, this yeah. is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> it's great. it's it's fascinating how you answer it because you talk about him and your favorite and how nice he was and the kids and everything like I I just go, I I like a train wreck. (laughs) I really like it. And so sometimes you tune into the new season of The Bachelor and like halfway through the episode, The Bachelor seems like a good guy. And and I'm like, I don't know if this guy's enough of of a jerk off for me to tune. I like the guys like that. So like my two favorite, um, I was just way into the Juan Pablo season. Like (laughs) way into it. Oh yeah. (laughs) Because it was just such a mess and the ending was so ridiculous. And like, he just was, 
Oh, it's just a disaster. But my number one favorite, and I don't know if there's anybody else, my number one favorite Bachelor is Jake Pavelka. I love oh, the guy. Love I ran- him. I ranked Pavelka season number one. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. and did you count the the Vienna yes. like post epilogue the best it, is that the best moment in bachelor history it, it's my favorite <laughs> it was absolutely wild two people who despise each other who are looking to air grievances for all of like the production craft and the artistry that Oprah showed with Megan and Harry yeah, 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 yeah. Jake and Vienna is 180 <laughs> degrees different it was That's such the a anti Harry t- and yes. Megan is the Jake and yes. Vienna oh man at one point he turns her and he's like fire. you 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 sold my soul to a magazine, and it's just so, and then you remember the crescendo. It's like he keeps saying that like you know she undermines him, undermines him, and interrupts him, and a couple you know he's just tearing into her, so she's she's interjecting, and then he just he just goes stop interrupting me, and he hits the back of his hand onto the open part of his other hand, and then she just melts and walks off, and Harrison is just floundering. Oh my god! I mean, it's I I my jaw was on the floor. What a moment! Oh my God, Jake! I've been afraid of him ever since. Me I mean, too. Oh my God, I wouldn't. I would never want to be alone in an elevator with Jake Pavelka. I mean, just there's something about. There. And then he was doing like Chippendale stuff, mm-hmm. and he was trying mm-hmm. to make the Hollywood thing happen. I, I get it, respect it, but like, he just was a, a such a an incredible alpha level of insecure. Like, it's so insecure. And then the reunion when they went back on Bachelor Pad and it was him and Vienna face to face and she was dating the garden protect your heart guy. Casey, and he like wanted yeah. to kick his ass. Like, I just, Jake is exactly what I want out of a Bachelor host. Not that he's Prince Charming, just that like, oh man, I just, I feel the insecurity as I watch him and I find it entertaining. He was really entertaining. No, I mean, that season was really entertaining. And there was many women on it, too, who were like, oh, I kind of like them. Also, Ali Fedotowski, great bachelorette. She sure. was on that season. She left to go back to she her quit job at Facebook. To yes. go work for Facebook, <laughs> yes. which is like, come on. Like, did she really go back to her job or she was like, I don't think I want to marry this this pilot. I, I don't think I'm going to do it. Either way, great pulling of the ripcord. And I, I Julia, I, I should also wash this all over as I'm saying Jake's insecurity was so entertaining. He was so insecure. Like, I'm the guy who was terrible on the real world. Like, I, I lived that <laughs> life. So, like, it takes one to know one. And I totally get that. Oh, my God. Did you continue to watch the real world after you were on the show? Or were you just like, I'm done here? You know, what happened after I, after Real World Chicago, as you know, the whole series changed. Maybe oh the whole God. industry changed. Absolute it, left It was turn. never the same because... It went to Vegas and they were never the same. It went to Vegas and it's it's just orgies and just sex, 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 sex. And I, I guess that's that sounds fun, but like there was there was just no <laughs> substance. And um, I just remember being really pissed off and like again insecure and young because you know I'm in LA and I'm trying to do the acting thing, which is just a, a, a deep turgid, viscous cliche. And I was the, the final the reality show guy being in LA, and it, it's so funny because like. I would go on these auditions, you know, for two lines and CSI, whatever. And like in the waiting room to go in would be guys that I recognize from, uh, you know, uh, who is it? Uh, what was the one um, where the guy's a, like a nerd and she's like really hot? Um, mm. What was that called? I don't remember. I what it was. The reality show people just everywhere and um, crawling with them. So then like when the new crop of real world people comes out and you're like, oh, you're the that white guy who's me in that show. It was like, there was almost like no room at the inn, you know, like sure. it was frustrating. Yeah, that's like interesting. That. Yeah. That's interesting. Did they ask you to, to go on the challenge? Couple times. Yeah. A couple times. Any regrets, but not playing the greatest game. <laughs> sometimes, 
And here's what happens. Not for years and years. I was, as I said, I was so traumatized and so stressed out from the experience. I just ran from it. But I think that means you're normal, by the way. I I think think so too. But listen, there's a whole industry, probably, I don't know if there is, but there was of just people who were like, I'm just in this for life. Like I'm going to ride this bus and do every challenge and every personal appearance. And this is going to be what I am. And then I just remember thinking like, even at the time, like some of these people are kind of older and they have kids, like, and they just have never really gone away from it. That just wasn't what I wanted to do. But the times that I get the pangs are like, now that I'm in the suburbs pushing a stroller, you know, like sitting on the couch and my best years are behind me. I'm like, what if I just decided to get my groove back? What if now <laughs> I decided to go on the challenge and screw it? I go down to Cabo and, you know, win a jet ski or something. And it starts and to feel like a good idea. only they're going to Cabo, man. They're doing these fucking cold weather challenges. Are they? It's oh. awful. That don't doesn't go, help the case. Don't go to Iceland. But, you know, CT, he's still on it. Yeah. Anissa, Darrell, he's back. Darrell. I mean. Okay. What, what, doing, here's here's the thing, though. What kills thing. me, yeah. what shuts it all down when it's like, I'm like, maybe I'll do it. Maybe I'll do it. And then. Five words, shut it all down. This season on the challenge. And I'll see a promo for like this upcoming season. And it's just, it looks like the, the worst thing I have ever taken place in ever. It's just like someone getting punched in the, the night vision cam and there's jacuzzi triple kisses <laughs> and like body shots. And I'm like, ah, I'm watching Peppa Pig with my four-year-old and I'm going to sleep at nine o'clock on a Saturday. I don't want to do that. And so I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to tell you a couple things. First of all, yeah. I don't have kids, but I also like to go to sleep in like the nine nine o'clock you. hour on a weekend. It's just, just tired. It feels great. Yeah, totally. I'm like ready the next morning. Good to go. I get a yeah. lot done. Bed's nice and warm and soft, isn't it? Feels great. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm productive at six thirty a.m. So like, what else am I looking for? That's number one. So okay. don't, so don't worry about that. Okay, number good. two. If only they were doing those things on the challenge. It's gotten like weird. First of all, you might may or may not know there's like a ton of British people on it, and they brought a lot of great international. What is this? Why? Why are they British? See, you're telling me there's no punching and kissing, and it's British people in cold weather. Like, what the hell is this show? There has not been a hot tub in years. See, I'm thinking of like Coral and the Miz, like the the, the good good times, the good old days where they're like. In, you know, like Playa del Carmen. Or yeah, and like, Eric Nice is just working yeah. out. Where yes. are those people? I know, right, man? This is like, now there's Big Brother people like dominating the show. There's a whole Big Brother alliance. Big Brother? We spit on the Big Brother. Those are, those are beneath us. What are we doing? Mixing know, with Big Brother right? with the steerage? Ugh. I know. So if you were asked to do, so the Real World Homecoming currently airing on Paramount Plus. This is not even a Paramount Plus plug, I tell nope. you. But they... I think that they that, that Paramount Plus was locked into launching this network and then COVID happened. They're like, fuck, we don't have a good show. Mm. So I think they like scrambled and made this happen. And so basically they had the cast come to New York. They quarantined and then six of seven of them moved into the loft. Eric had COVID. He couldn't do it. And they then recorded for six days. They filmed for six days. And that was it. Which I think is like, how are they possibly going to get enough material out of that? With but no whatever. Eric? No, well, Eric like, FaceTimes in. It's crazy. He's quarantining in a hotel. COVID, man. I know. And I'm just like, Eric, you're you're the show. But whatever. Would you do that? Six days in Chicago in the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. I, I, here, here's what I feel about it, Julia. Like, I'm not even going to say, oh, they got to pay me. or No, no, no. I, I feel really strongly. And it's why we're talking right now about um, have, that that's part of my life. And that mm-hmm. I, I, I hate when people do something and are just refuse to speak about it or like they're over it. Like 
I think it's really kind of weird and lame that like Mark Wahlberg just won't touch good vibrations. He won't do it. He won't sing it. He won't parody it. Like you're so successful. You've gone on other things. Like, you know, that's a chapter in your life that I always refer to the real world as a life tattoo. It's mm. always going to be there no matter what. Like I could become president of the United States in my opening press conference. There'll be a question in the back of the room about, so did Anissa go in the co-ed shower <laughs> or did they allow the cameras in there? It's never <laughs> going away. So yeah, it's like, you know, this sort of corny pop song that the musician had earlier in their career, but people remember it and they still sing it. So my long answer is, yeah, I think I would do that thing because like, I, I just am so annoyed by people who run from things and don't embrace them because it's never going away. It's very, very well said. I, I would, I would love like a full year of programming of like, just like each season gets, you know, all of the good seasons. There's certainly ones I would cut like St. <laughs> Thomas worst season of all time. But um, I don't, you probably didn't even. They watch had that one, one in St. Thomas, the Virgin yes, Islands. In it blew. It sucked. They like needed a boat to get off their little island. Oh it's, yeah, was so bad, man. I'll just say that I think the top seasons are Seattle, Chicago, Boston, Hawaii, San Francisco. Those are my top five. Seattle is amazing, and and it, it's no one trick pony either. It's not just Stephen and Irene. It's no, you know, not at all. It's, um, the, the, there was a guy who I think who killed himself, and, and like called in and told her that it happened, and there's some L- crazy yes, Lin- emotion. Lindsay, I was I wanted to be Lindsay when I was younger. with the red hair. Yeah, I was just like I would like to be her. Like I like literally, she was my role model for a long time. But yes, that someone very close to her committed suicide, and she found out about it on the show. Nathan had that really um, just sort of like toxic relationship with his girlfriend. And I think that was like the first time I like witnessed a toxic relationship. I was a kid. David and the producer, this heartbreak in the car when they're he's not supposed to. You don't even know. Right. Yeah, exactly. This is the realest shit there is. Me too. It's great. It's two different colored eyes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They worked at the uh, radio station. I mean, and then Janet was like, so cool. And then she went on to have a great showmance on the challenge when it was like still the real world versus road world challenge. It was just a great time for television. It was it just, is. we were so naive and it wasn't oversaturated. It was, it was so great. I mean, this is like you indulging me for this amount of time talking about the real world in the, at the turn of the century is such a dream. I, I really appreciate you know what? it. I, I forgot. Some, I forgot a huge thing that you would love this. This is oh, what you great. should have been at. There was the equivalent of, of real world Woodstock. And it uh. was about um, 12 years ago, they had done re- 20 seasons of Real World and they had a party and they made a special out of it and every single Real World cast member, so if it's 20 times seven is, you know, about 140 Real World cast members were all invited, invited. They rented this house in LA and we got like limousined up there. And I, they, I watched this. Did you watch worry. this? Okay, yeah, I, I was there, I went, I went to it. To your Incredible. question of would you do, I went and- the only people from our season, I think it was only me and Anissa and Kara, but it was it, it inside this house. Like it was the real world again. Like in, what I mean is I remember going in the bathroom and there was just like people making out in there. And there was like <laughs> people like just doing um, like lining up, doing shots. And Jeff Ross, the Roastmaster General, like the great stand-up comic was hired to MC the thing. And as the story went, Jeff Ross got up there and his thing at the time was just, he ripped people apart and celebrities, he do the VH1 roasts. And I remember we're all around the pool and he starts roasting real worlders as, you know, like pathetic losers. And it didn't go <laughs> over well. And people were like, hey, this is not you taking shots That's at George Clooney, so you know, who's like a movie star, Amelia. Like, I, I'm actually having a hard time and you're calling me pathetic. So a group of guys went up to him in the middle of his set 
And like, I think it was, I think it was probably CT if I remember right. And a couple of other guys. And as he's talking on mic, they grabbed him and threw him into the pool. And it was their equivalent of a shepherd's hook, like get the hell off the stage. And when they did it, like everyone lost their minds and it was like, yeah, you don't make fun of us. It was a crazy night. That sounds really fun. Yeah. And Steven was there. And I remember Steven? he and CT. I actually remember that. Yeah, Steven was there. And I remember he and CT like had an exchange that was like really unsavory. And like, I don't even know if it made the air, but they were yelling at each other. And it was just nuts. The Miz was there. Like I, almost, I remember just the turnout being crazy. Like all wow. of the who's who. Because I remember a lot of the Seattle cast was there. Not Irene, but I think the other ones. And I just remember thinking it was really cool. And the fact that I was there was just bizarre. I was just standing in the corner. You know who was there? <laughs> uh, Seth MacFarlane was there. He oh showed up God. and this is, this is 2008 or something. So like he wasn't, uh, he was famous for family guy, but I didn't really even know who he was. He not was dating. Famous. No, no, not, he wasn't face famous yet. Cause this is before his movies and stuff. He was dating a former real world girl. I don't remember who she was. She was blonde. But then I remember striking up a conversation with him, having no idea that he was the family guy guy. And he was just talking about how he's such a huge fan of the show. And then we ended up like partying with them later. It was a great night. Great night. It was like, like my last single night. I met my wife I shortly after that. I feel like you had a lot of fun in your 20s. I was in LA. I was on a soap opera. <laughs> I had a house in the valley. Like, yeah, it was awesome, man. It was awesome. <laughs> now you're you're in the suburbs. That's great. Yeah, now I have this computer. I'm doing this on resting on a, a pack of uh, ramen noodles that we bought for quarantine. And nice. there's a, a dartboard on the floor and some Nerf darts. And I got a seven and a four-year-old and they're just barking at me upstairs. <laughs> All right. Well, for more Kyle, listen to 10 Questions with Kyle Brandt every Wednesday on Spotify. Um, Pat McAfee this week. Check that one Pat out. Pat McAfee this week. And then tomorrow we are taping 10 questions with uh, Rob Gronkowski and his girlfriend, Camille Kostek, SI oh my God. cover model. We're doing the first ever tandem 10 questions. So I don't know how that's going to go, but we're ready. Since it's a video podcast, I urge you to get them to dance. Absolutely urge you. Oh, really? To. Yeah. Okay. They're, okay. I know she's like a really good dancer. He does it him, too. They do it on TikTok together. Oh, that's the thing, right? Okay. Yeah. They, they TikTok. God, Julia, do you do TikTok too? How hip are you? You do all I the stuff. I do not do TikTok, but I just know about it. I for I, for the beginning, of, the beginning of COVID, I did for like a month. I was like, hey, this is what kids are doing. Yeah. Um, I hated it because I like to do stuff on my phone passively. Like I like to like play a quiet game and TikTok's very noisy. But one of the people I followed was Camille Kostick. Okay. And I was like, oh, her and Gronk, they don't dance a lot. And okay. they get after it. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, um, I have to say a couple days ago, maybe even yesterday, I got a text from a female friend of mine named Katie who lives in Chicago, who I haven't talked to in a long time. And she texts me out of nowhere. She goes, oh my God, stop. You are doing Juliet's show. She, I guess you teased it or something like that. <laughs> yeah, She's like, this is my favorite thing you have ever done in your career. Like <laughs> she is such a huge fan. She's way into your stuff. And no matter what I've done either, any any other place, this is the Mount Everest for her. So you obviously have some fired up fans, Juliet. Thank you. Well, Katie, I hope you're having a great day. Thanks mm -hmm. for listening. Kyle, thank you so much. Um, unfortunately, we'll be back to talking about The Bachelor on Monday. Fortunately, it's the finale. Emmanuel Acho, it's his time to shine. I'm so excited. I heard he did a good job. So he's hosting the After the Final Rose. Of course, we'll be discussing it. And then we'll be moving on. I, I don't know what's next, but I'm very excited. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend.
This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.